to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks on 2SER. Ah, the sweet sounds of honking. Have you missed that, Blake? Sure have. <laughs> sure have. Everyone, it's Blake Howard. He's Yay. back. Hi. Hello, Hello, geeks. Uh, currently, right now, I'm not in studio with the gals. They're calling me on video chat. I can't see them, but no. I'm, um, I'm trying to use filters. So it is very watch. entertaining. He's currently a wolf. Yes. Um, a well-dressed wolf. Now he's, he's a crying emo. <laughs> It's all the emotions Ooh, that we are getting. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm Sophie Lai. I'm Tali Olatia. And this is the podcast where we talk everything about geek and pop culture. Mm-hmm. Big week, though. Huge. And there are stars <laughs> in Blake's eyes, so definitely big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I don't think there's a week at the moment. Like, I think everyone thought we were going to have some rest uh, I guess between, you know, summer blockers happen, there's lots of buzz happening, but you just kind of get now, especially in movie culture, you kind of get catapulted from blockbuster talk into mm-hmm. festival talk because um, some really huge film festivals happen, like the Venice Film Festival and the Toronto International Film Festival. And TIFF, as a lot of people know, is like one of the biggest film festivals, if not the biggest in the world. Like, you, you know, all three of us, could go to the Toronto International Film Festival and see 20 films and not have any crossover whatsoever, and that's a completely normal occurrence to happen. So as those things get released, there's just so much news. There's so much buzz being built for award seasons. And then uh, there's, you know, huge news with, um, you know, uh, that, 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 that sort of, I don't know, even flies under the radar. So, yeah, I don't feel like there's ever a slow week, and I have been listening. <laughs> and it's so weird when you're listening to a podcast and you're not on it and you get mentioned, you feel like someone's watching you. While you're just so Such you know. Like a couple of times I was like washing the dishes late at night. I'm listening to Gaggle of Geeks and you guys go, hi, Blake. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> this is really weird, but cool, I guess. What was funny is we were actually in the bushes outside your house recording. <laughs> so when we were saying hello, we knew you were washing the dishes. Absolutely. So. I, did, I did go and turn the light on on the balcony to make yeah, sure that you weren't standing at the window in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast is coming from inside the house. <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. You saw me in my Drew Barrymore wig and you just couldn't help yeah. yourself. <laughs> you just couldn't help yourself. Such madness. But let's start with one of the bigger things that happened this week. Someone tried to break the internet. Mm. Tried. Tried. (laughs) Don't know if it worked, but... Points for trying, Brie Larson. baby-oiled ass to break the internet. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you really want to break it, it's got to be much more nudity. Yeah. Like, male or female. And, you know, Vale... The legendary actor Burt Reynolds today, who one of his most famous things was the first um, man to do a naked centerfold in um, the Cosmopolitan magazine. And uh, it's famously piss taken in Deadpool where he's lying on a rug, like uh, in front of a fireplace or whatever. Um, But but yeah, no, the, the woman you guys are talking about is, of course, Brie Larson, dressed in her resplendent Captain Marvel, the original proper Captain Marvel gear on the cover of E, 
AFW magazine. Very cool stuff this week. Yeah. yeah cool. I mean, Tali, when you first saw those tweets between the EW, EW and Brie, you were like, trailer? Trailer. <laughs> like, I feel it builds the hype for a trailer. Like, do you want to break the internet? Yes, we do. Let's do a trailer. And then Sophie very quickly put me back in the spot. She's like, um, it wouldn't be released on EW anyway. And I was like, that's how the hype happens because it happens in an unexpected way. So while the photos were great and I did love the photos, I mm. was just a little dis- bit disappointed because in my head I was thinking trailer. I was in trailer minds, but it's sad. But yeah. I did, I did really, really love the pitch of young Samuel L. Jackson. And when I say young Samuel L. Jackson, I mean digitally de-aged Samuel L. Jackson. So it's just, it was, it was just nice to see him as a young person. Still scary. Still scary with two eyes. Nice. Two eyes. D-D-A-S-L-J. Digitally de-aged Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. It's always, it's what we've needed in our lives for a long time. Look, and, and, and Jude Law, Jude Law's lips that look like digitally enhanced in some way, or he may just have beautiful lips. I couldn't, I couldn't be sure. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm excited about Captain Marvel. I'm really excited. I have no idea when they're going to bring out a trailer though. Like, cause it's really, a, it's a March release date or a yeah. February release date. I think. The movie yeah. Is. Sophie's um, guessing Christmas. I'm guessing around Christmas. Yeah. I think you'd be pretty spot on there. Um, cause they don't have any other releases. No, strangely. So, which is, um, which is going to be interesting. I was really excited to see Mendo in those photos as well, because the filmmakers who are behind Captain Marvel, um, I also directed a flick called Mississippi Grind, which is a really good gambling movie. And I believe it's on Netflix. If you want to check it out, definitely worth your time. Awesome. Yeah. Just old man Mendo. <laughs> it's I popping up. I take it seriously when no. you call him Mendo. <laughs> oh, Why? It's just Mendo. Maybe, maybe it's my it's going on Mendo. I just see him in a bar, like old Mendo. Old Mendo. But Mendo's playing a scroll, which is quite interesting. I know those pesky shapeshifters. What havoc will they wreck upon the Earth yeah. and the Cree Nation? Who even knows? Lots, lots of badness. I was telling Sophie before that I think that they look like, do you know the little aliens off Toy Story? Yes. But like grown up versions of that and not as green. And now I can't get that picture out of my head every time I see them. Look, I, I think you're, I think not only are you are 100% correct, but I'm just hoping desperately that they all have a scene where they just all in a chorus are like, Ehh. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine a Captain yeah, Marvel right. Toy Story crossover? Well, the fact that they're coming out of the ocean and I'm like, yes. are you like, you know, Abe Sapien? What's going on here? <laughs> are you going to dive in and see our friend from um, Guillermo del Toro, Some Shape of Water? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if there's not fish sex in Captain Marvel, I'm not saying <laughs> There has not been enough fish sex on our screens. Here we go. It's been a while. It's been nearly a year since the release of the infamous fish sex moment. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, you know, it hasn't really had a lot of pop culture imitators. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. People are a bit scared of, like, you know, imitation is flattery in fish sex. So uh, we'll just see how that's to go from here. I think that just you can't take the shit out of something that's obviously already taking the shit out of itself. <laughs> like, in a weird... <laughs> People are like, oh, what are we going to do? Make the fish have sex? No, you've nah, already done it. Done cool. it, been there. Did it well. Flooded an apartment to do so. Oh, my God. <laughs> Such memories. What All a film. Memories. What a film. Thanks, Thanks for the memories. Yeah. Yellow. <laughs> But from one woman in space to another, Doctor Who finally has a release date. Yes. It'll yes. be on our screens in Australia, Monday, October 8th. The 8th. ABC. On ABC. Mm-hmm. Good times ahead. Yeah. 
thanks BBC for changing it from their normal Saturday night to now a Sunday night, meaning in Australia. Monday night. Monday night. Who has time to eye view on a Monday night? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> there is so much Q&A to watch. I know. Like, oh, Everyone corners. hate watching Q&A. Everyone's hate watching. You can just watch. I find that if you want to watch Doctor Who, which a lot of the people who are listening to this show mm. will be doing, you can totally watch that live. And if you really want to, just look at Twitter. Like, just follow the hashtag Q&A and the best Q&A content mm. is coming from twitter yeah always always all the sass Mm. um but yeah monday not many people are happy about it at all i think it is one of those things is that once you get used to watching it on a sunday night it makes it seem like event television that you can sit around on a sunday before your work week starts whereas (laughs) monday feels like no that's not right like yeah turn that into something else but then i mean let's be honest people make the nights out of the bachelor so if they can and that's a wednesday and a thursday exactly so if you can do it for the bachelor you can do it for doctor who suck it up yeah it's 10 episodes the first one being an hour long what's it called the woman who fell to earth yes so So setting it up for jody great title it is um and whovians is back as well with rove so you know (laughs) who needs q a when you have a panel of doctor who super fans instead all the wins all the wins good old rove like what is Rove doing now? Hoovians. Okay, cool. He's doing Hoovians, and he's also married to the amazing Tasma Walton. So yeah, who be is killing it in everything? You can see her in Rake right now, and she was also on Mystery Road. Yeah, winner, winner. Incredible on Mystery Road, and also clever man. She's like all over. She's mm. all over like most of the best shows that are coming through ABC yeah. and Australian TV. <laughs> and shit. So, um, but yeah, no, she's a killer. It's so funny. It's like she's killing it, Rove. What are you doing? Uh, Hoovian's panel <laughs> no, And she's like, I've got this. Sweetie. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Babe, right. just do your passion projects. Yeah. This uh, is my trophy uh, husband. <laughs> take it from me. Uh, Incidentally, Rove is making a billion dollars a day after like creating the project and he just sits back and counts his money. So yeah, he can do whatever the hell he, he wants. Doesn't yeah, he work. doesn't need it at all. Although yeah. his hard chat with Tom Gleason was quite funny. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy yes. the human nature hard chat. Oh, that was good. Well. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that was a good hard chat. Yeah. Sophie Monk one, the Sophie Monk one, just, that's just worth watching just once a week. It's yeah. really worth watching once a week. I mean, yeah. he made her become the Bachelorette. Yeah. Like, he put it out there. It's mm. like the secret to the universe. He won Grant Denyer a bloody gold Logie. Gold yeah. Logie. Gold for Denyer. The power. Power of Tom Gleason. Yeah, if you want anything done, no matter how ridiculous, just call up Tom Gleason. Wouldn't yeah. mind a few additional subscribers, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Oh my God, if he hard chatted us, I don't know what would happen. Uh, I would crumble. <laughs> but you are. Your mom is. <laughs> Boom. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. You've got all the training you need, Tom. Yeah, your mom's one of those things you just called me. Um, yeah. Then after we finish, I'd have to write an apology letter to Mrs. Gleason. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just needed to own your son. <laughs> just for that one moment. Exactly. Moving on to Hollywood, though. Um, let's stick on the good news because um, they are the Warner Company. Mm-hmm. Inc- Warner Media. Warner Media, mm. including 
well, inclusion writers in yep. all their films moving forward, yep. pretty much. It comes after um, Frances McDormand's like iconic Oscar speech mm. where she was talking about inclusion writers, which are essentially where actors normally just go, I want brown M&Ms and I want rooms with scented candles. <laughs> Instead, she's like, hey, let's make it better for everyone. I don't know, crazy idea. Um, and when they're signing, you know, their um, contracts saying that I want like this like representation, this number of people to be in the cast and crew from um, groups that are largely not represented, like people of colour or people from the LGBTI community yeah. and having those actors be advocates for that as a part of these inclusion writers. Um, and so Warner Media has partnered partnered I don't know if partner's the right word but Michael B Jordan with his upcoming film called what is it Just Mercy where he is starring in and being a producer mm. and they're saying yes this will be the first movie that we're going to make and we're going to include <laughs> this exactly what this is and make it equal and fair um, for all people to have a chance to be a part of this and not just be the you know old, stale, white males making decisions or being on crew and stuff like that. Could Michael B. Jordan get any more dreamier? I know. Just when he, <laughs> you thought that he peaked in Black Panther and you're oh. just like, oh, it can't get any better. It can. He's, 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 he's an now, advocate he's for us all. scars on his body for every movie that he gets an inclusion writer for. So oh, uh, look, yes. look forward to some more Killmonger shots. <laughs> Hi. 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 Uh, no, as long what, as he's shirtless, I'm not mad. <laughs> I just remember that scene when he just takes his shirt off and it was just everyone in my row just went, <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> we are but a simple audience. <laughs> we are not worthy. Um, a, little bit of, a little bit of a cool factoid. Warner Brothers really takes pride in getting, like, auteur directors and, like, keeping them. Um, you know, they did it with Richard Donner, who directed like the X, uh, sorry, directed the Omen and all the Supermans and the Lethal Weapons, and they pretty much tried to keep him for his entire career. They famously did it with Stanley Kubrick. Um, for a short time, they courted Michael Mann, um, who's my favourite filmmaker, but and Christopher Nolan is the other massive one, who's obviously a huge fan of Kubrick himself. And they do like to give their directors um, a lot of freedom, but I think this is a really super smart move as a differentiating point because now with the Disney, you know, uh, sort of swallowing whole the entire Fox organization. Um, it's a really cool sort of, you know, um, it's a really cool way to draw talent towards you because if you want to get funded by a big studio and a studio ethically fits with your ethics, I think that's a really cool way for them to say, look, this is the way we're moving our company forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for me, that's like a... You know, they've got a long history of really great auteurs and stuff, so hopefully some really ripping directors get some great work and mm. some phenomenal talent just keeps on working yeah. um, with Warner Brothers. Mm. That's, that should be good. I mean, they've got Ava coming up and a whole bunch of others mm. and Michael B., so it sounds really great. Mm. And both on camera and behind the scenes as well. I think the question is, is will it encourage other studios? Well, not encourage, but will it kind of like other studios to do the same too? If you've got a big player like Warner Media saying, hey, I feel like what we're doing. Until it shows in box office like yeah. numbers, then they'll take notice. But until that happens, I, I don't know. I think it's though, so, because I think this is the thing, like with, with something like, we saw it happen with James Gunn, with Disney drawing a line in the sand, you know, listening mm. to, you know, racist, um, uh, you know, um, uh, white rights, MRA trolls um, and getting James Gunn fired for the stuff that he said 
in jest 10 years ago on Twitter. They've kind of drawn a line in the sand that at the end of the day, the mouse house rules the roost of any company that is underneath them. So if they feel like your behavior is antithetical to their brand, they can sack you. Mm-hmm. So the, the, there are going to be filmmakers who um, have different ethics. And if, if, if they're a little bit more fluid on, um, uh, a little bit more fluid, a little bit more lenient because they're not trying to always target to that children audience as Disney is, then you're going to see people like, you know, Warner Brothers were, you know, chomping at the bit to pay James Gunn any amount of money that they could to, like, come over. And that's what sort of has been written in the rumor mill in Hollywood at the moment. So I, I think it's only good. I think if there are great female directors out there who want to work with a really diverse crew and or great male directors out there who want to shake things up by, like, not having their established crews with them and come over, I think you're going to see some cool shit. I don't actually think it... I think, you know, if, unless everyone does it, I think Warner Brothers might just have, get the jump on on that because yeah as long as the the right people get with them i think they might yeah. they might have just made the right jump oh for sure but mm. i feel like for other series to get on board it yeah. will take a while mm. i mean oh, yeah for yeah. sure disney's yeah. not doing that no time soon no, no way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> said the next white guy that got to direct star wars like come on you know what i mean <laughs> who's next are you male do you love star wars Excellent. Tick, tick, tick. That was actually all that was on the job application. White male Star Wars. Tick, tick, tick. Done. Oh, one day. One day Star Wars will be directed by a person of colour and and who identifies as female. One day. So optimistic, Sophie. So optimistic. <laughs> now it could happen. Believe Look, it to me. guys, they're just, they're, their values are just from a galaxy far away a long time ago so you know you have to sort of excuse the fact that they're anyway no you don't um eugenics um (laughs) star wars universe um they're a little bit behind the times they'll catch up oh their fans won't no they'll be dead first (laughs) before it happens sometimes you've got to play the long game guys yeah take the high Watch this space in 200 years because obviously you have to stop the generations as well. Oh, is that how it works? That too. And then boom. (laughs) Then it will happen. Because, I mean, I swear they're the same ones that are burning their Nikes after seeing Uh, Colin Colin Kaepernick. (laughs) I love that. That'll show Nike. They've already got your money, guys. You've just lost your shoes. You don't need to burn them. It's not hard. Oh. Oh, the even better ones, my favourite. There was a guy who burned them on his own feet. Oh, he got like what, like second degree burns in the air? Yeah. Look, I think at some point that's just Darwinism. Survival (laughs) of the species. Off you go. I was was just going to say, we just, they just found a way. Anyone who's got a burn on their feet because they set their Nikes on fire, I think they should just be euthanized at hospital. (laughs) They just walk in the door and you've just found someone who's the perfect candidate to not live anymore. Yeah. Like, seriously. Take the oh, shoes off. <laughs> you revoke your right to live card because you're still. Oh, it's just or you're common not allowed sense. to breed. It's like, you're... do you think the fire will not penetrate <laughs> through the shoe to your foot? And it's, it's like still a polyester shoe. Like it's in, it's flammable. Yeah. <laughs> and, the we'll irony, and the irony would have been as soon as it would have happened, he would have dropped to the ground like a kneal <laughs> like, <laughs> in NFL anyway. So yeah, you show him. Also, this is what the fundamental, like, if you've read about it, the fundamental thing is, and this is where like really great propaganda from the, the, the current 
you know, powers that be in American media on the right wing is Colin Kaepernick, when he kneeled, because he was the first guy to do it, mm. when he kneeled, it was never about the anthem. Mm. And it was never about reverence to the anthem. It was kneeling as a sign of, and, and he even consulted with like members of the military to say that he wanted to kneel to protest police violence mm. against African-Americans. And he spoke to people. He was like, do I just not go out there? Do I sit down? And then he asked a few soldiers, and they're like, oh, no, you should kneel. Like, that's probably the most respectful way you can approach it is kneel when the flag comes down rather than standing. Mm. And so he did that, and people were like, he doesn't like the anthem. It has nothing to do with the anthem, you morons. It has nothing to do with it. I think the problem is is that it's also America. I've gone to watch an NHL game in New York at Madison Square Garden on, like, a Monday night, and it was absolutely packed, and it was a U.S. team versus a Canadian team. During the the Canadian national anthem, the U.S. members of the crowd were booing very, like, boo, Canada sucks, like, throughout their national anthem. Then when it came on to the U.S. national anthem, everyone was, like, so patriotic. It was actually quite nauseating because they were like America's the best country in the world like go America and I was like you are so disrespectful during the Canadian national anthem but the moment you perceive anyone disrespecting your anthem then you're just all up in arms about it and I think that that's what happened with old mate Colin is the moment he kneeled they saw that as being disrespectful to the anthem as opposed to going why are you kneeling it actually has nothing it's to do nev- with the they anthem. never ask why yeah, but it's just this ridiculous thing where it's like we can we can um, like rag off any other country. We can say that they're like shitholes. We can mm. say whatever we want. But the moment <laughs> that you come back and try and say it about us, we're like, no, and don't try and fight it. Don't try and do anything. Uh, Which then again leads to people trying to burn their shoes while they wear them to protest <laughs> Nike. I think the best tweet I saw about it was, um, please, Trojan, don't use Colin Kaepernick as your... <laughs> As your sponsor, because conservatives don't need to. <laughs> they need contraception badly. <laughs> all the opposite. And, like, all these guys are just burning off their penises. I was just about to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. Sarah's like, no, wait, make sure Colin gets it. Make we sure he becomes a sponsor. over the same Trojan joke, which I was really, really happy about. Oh, oh, here we are. Well, well, look from one from one moronic gesture to another. I might just uh, jump in and say um, there's a very uh, exceptionally well made. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a um, a great or a, or a sensational or a fun film. It's a, a it's sort of a deeply affecting film that's come out um, around Australia this week in limited release. Um, it actually came out. On Thursday, the 6th of September, it's called The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Uh, it was one of the features that made a lot of buzz at the Sydney Film Festival and um, also at MIF. Um, if you're down in Melbourne, you're listening to this, hello. Um, it stars Chloe Grace Moretz, and it's a sort of uh, period piece tale uh, around the Reagan era in the States, so circa early 80s, um, uh, oh, sorry, circa late 80s, it's passing the Reagan era, sort of moving into um, what we know in the Clinton era, about a young girl who is gay, and her, uh, and unfortunately she's orphaned from her parents, she's living with her really deeply conservative aunt, mm. and when her aunt finds out that she's gay, she's sent off to gay conversion therapy. And so, 
what it does is it's not quite the horrific tale that we may have seen in some of the trailers of the Australian film Boy Erased, um, where it's very overtly sort of abusive. But what it is and why it's so affecting is that it sort of plays into the deep manipulation and uh, emotional vulnerability that you kind of naturally have in those formative years because you're really just figuring your own shit out. And it, it just plays these kids sort of like prisoners um, or, or, you know, sometimes you see it in like the women of The Bachelor do it, but like <laughs> prisoners against each other who are sort of locked in amongst each other that all end up having to sort of jockey for position and it's only to save face and to gain favour. And so it's this weird emotional manipulation movie that at the end of the day is very wears its heart on its sleeve, not only in the title but in everything about it that is just how... Um, uh, just how perverse the idea that you would want to change or could change someone's sexuality, number one, if they didn't want to change it themselves. And number two, how deeply perverse it is to do that to a child, especially mm. in your formative years and someone who's like really formulating their identity because it really mm. deeply messes with you. Um, and, you know, organically letting someone find out who they are, um, uh, you know, especially throughout your late teens because that's like the moment in your time that you're going to do it. Um, and, and it's sort of capitalizing on that is sort of, dangerous it's negligent it's stupid um and this tale is really remarkably told desiree akavan is a is the filmmaker behind it um and uh, her star is chloe grace moretz um so there's no hit girl to be seen here it's just a really <laughs> organic and authentic performance um and what's sort of this weird strange irony in osmosis is that this film about gay conversion therapy and another australian you know produced but ultimately american film about gay conversion therapy are all converging and being released in the coming weeks and australia's latest dopey uh leader on the liberal side uh scomo hashtag scomo um, came out earlier this week to talk about how he has no problem with gay conversion therapy um so i would Highly recommend um, uh, you guys, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, but anyone um, to, to go and get along and see it is a really beautiful um, and well-made film um, about, about sort, of, sort of pushing through this and doing whatever you can um, um, to sort of escape the fate of this sort of deluded conversion mm. therapy bullshit. But it's also kind of scary and it's a nice, fresh reminder that these ideas are still so fresh in 2018 as they were and portrayed in this tale in like pre-1994. Yeah. So we think that it's 100 years old, but it's actually right on our doorstep. So um, I think it's a really on-time movie and, and I would recommend you guys checking it out. Absolutely. And people who went through the conversions back then, they are still suffering from PTSD now. Totally. So it's and just that's, awful. And I think that, that that's one of the things that must be so triggering about it. It's not something where it was like, oh, we did that back then and that was a bad thing to do. We've learned from that. Let mm. us help heal you and accept you and love you and do all those things. Instead, the rhetoric continues to suggest that, you know, gender whisperers or like gay <laughs> conversion therapy is not only a thing, it's a thing that works, which is ridiculous because people know 
that it's not because no. you're essentially trying to change someone and tell them to not be them when every like part of their DNA is telling them to be who they are. So you're fighting a losing battle all the time. Yeah. And I mean, just the Pope the other week had comments about young children and being like, even though he has come out to be more one of the more progressive um, mm. figures when it comes to homosexuality, but he was kind of suggesting as kids that kids could be intercepted while young and have their minds changed about their sexuality. It, and it's like, mate, it's 2018. It's this idea that kids have no agency of how they feel. Mm. And every time someone's like, no, it's the parents, it's the teachers who are telling yeah. them these things. It's like, no. It's not. <laughs> I, I, I think we just have to be uh, understand, like, I think on, the, on both sides of politics, like on the more conservative side, like this whole interception thing, it, it feels so predatory and it actually is like it's predatory from one end and it's like also telling a kid that you have totally figured out who you are and exactly what your sexuality is by the time you're four is also like a completely batshit and deluded thing like just let them be who they are yeah and if they have this lovely fluency of who they want to be like when they actually figure their shit out like i my joke is i always say about myself is i reckon i was a high functioning ape until i was 25 years of age like i actually <laughs> have no idea um uh, you know as an 18 year old kid if I, you know, I was so blessed to actually know who I was from a sexual standpoint, but like, you don't know who you are. You're like, you're mm. figuring all that shit out. And so prescription on either spectrum, I think is like too extreme. Yeah. Um, but I, I really think that it, like, you just want to nurture these kids. You want to give them a, yeah. a, their best opportunity to be whoever the hell they're going to turn out to be. And I, I like, th that's what I've found deeply affecting about this movie was behind closed doors. And, and when, when it's sort of, when it's sort of whispered, um, uh, when it's sort of whispered and, and, and done in this sort of really manipulative way, the, the perverse thing is that they know that they're capitalising on all of the insecurities that mm. happen in adolescence and, and, and that yeah. sort of medium to young adulthood. Mm. And so I think that that's what's so scarring. And that's, you know, to your point, both of you, Sophie and Tali, about like the PTSD, it's like that's the time where you're really creating those pathways about who you are. And so there's a lot of damage to be done. So I think it's super negligent on either side. Um, but this is a film that really keeps it front of mind. And, and, you know, if you want to have a look at it and try and empathize as you can, um, check it out. It's weirdly when you were talking about it, I was reminded of the film, but I'm a cheerleader. Do you remember mm. that yes. where she had to yes. go to cake conversion camp? And the, I'm, the not irony is at the end, it was like, Actually, I just thought that maybe I was a lesbian, but Ugh. I hadn't acted on it. But thanks for sending me to this gay conversion camp because now I know I'm a lesbian. So <laughs> yeah. Well done, guys. And, and, look, and it's I, also I, like I, you're going to shut I, yourself I up with a bunch of queer kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks. Oh, it is a sure, it is a surefire way. It is a surefire way. Like every one of my gay friends and one of my dearest gay friends tells me often that going to an all boys school was just like going to Sizzler every day, you know, like just a buffet of, uh, of, of kids. And look, they were experimenting. Some of the guys he may have had some fun with as a young lad, you know, they may be straight dudes now or may have, you know, lent towards the more hetero path, but you know, fortunately they weren't you know, they didn't get caught and get sent off to some gay conversion mm. therapy. But I don't know. Look, Scott Morrison is our prime minister. This is a deeply political show, by the way. It's got yeah. super political. I don't know what happened. I don't you... know what happened when I left. What happened to all the fun and the laughs, guys? It, we, Tonight we... we got cancelled and we're all fine. <laughs> <laughs> We've uh, all given up. Like, there's some, some deeply weird stuff going on, you know. Like the guy who's 
telling people uh, in refugee camps that they're never going to come to this country and causing prison riots is now like, oh, yeah, I'm cool with gay conversion therapy. I mean, there are islands around this country that he might start shipping gays off to if we let him. So we just need to keep talking about it and talking about how ridiculous it is and, uh, and mm. yeah, do the right thing when it comes if he uh, ever goes up for election. <laughs> when is May coming? <laughs> is it March or May? I think it's March. No, I think it's March. Ooh. It's March. That's March a- Madness. We're going to get... Captain Six months Marvel. away. Yeah. Six Captain, months away. Don't worry. You get Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Marvel to the rescue. Oh, but speaking of popularity contest, um, the popular category at the Oscars <laughs> is no more. <laughs> Blake, are um, you going to cry over it? Today. I've, got, um, I've got my makeup running on the video now uh, because, yeah, look, um, as I said earlier in the show, um, Folks who might not know, um, the legendary actor Burt Reynolds, um, you know, from movies like Boogie Nights, Sharky's Machine, uh, The Incredible Deliverance, um, you know, he's sort of a seminal, iconic actor. He passed away today, and I actually genuinely think that the Academy um, dropped this news because they thought, oh, well, while Burt Reynolds has passed away, this is a great time to actually sort of let this fly under the carpet. The controversy of the most popular film or best popular film category um, sort of hit a fever pitch and the Academy have done a 180 on it <laughs> and they've sort of said no it's only nine months it's unfair we've got to kind of do this and that and we're just sort of not going to present it this year maybe next year no, so maybe never because I think what they, just keep they, deferring when they made the announcement I think that they were all like pat each other on the back like fellas let's go get a cigar we've made a really good decision and everyone's all the happy. blockbusters are yeah. gonna get in and people can yeah. still complaining that we don't yeah. consider it art it's just popular everyone just called them on their bullshit <laughs> to go we know exactly what you're doing and they were all like oh shit okay now we have to find a way to get away from this but how <laughs> but what's crazy to me is and I've had, and I don't think I've had a chance to talk to you guys about. It. It's like popular films, like the best films at the Academy Awards. They've they've awarded the most popular film of that year many many times. Lord of the Rings, yeah. eleven nominations and wins yeah. for Return of the King. Yeah, and like and 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 both other Lord of the Rings, Fellowship, and Two Towers are were nominated. But I'm like, just go a little bit further back. Forrest Gump was like the biggest movie of that year, one best picture. Mm. Yeah, Rocky, Rocky. <laughs> Was the most popular movie, yeah. maybe of the entire seventies, yeah. and, and one best picture. Yeah. Even um, further back, you know, Casablanca. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, like Casablanca, like Wizard of Oz. You just mm. go back, like you look yeah. at the history, and uh, you know, I did this the other day, and I wish I still had the stats, so I did it for my own amusement. It was like just going back through Box Office Mojo, um, which if you guys ever get curious about it, you can sort of check it out. What was the biggest movie of each year, like the year you're born, and you can check out some fun stuff there. But it was like going back through and seeing what the most you know, the highest grossing movies it was of that year. And you would be staggered to see just what the correlation is. If the movie was really great on from a technical standpoint, from a formal standpoint, um, from actors and performances and scripts, and it was popular, then it'll get nominated for Best Picture. And I think a lot of people have been talking about, you know, I think when Black Panther come out, the, the mm-hmm. cultural phenomenon that it was, it may not necessarily win Best Picture in amongst what is going to be an absolute logjam of... Um, incredible sort of films that are being released around, you know, Toronto International Film Festival in Venice, but it's certainly a film that has to be in the conversation around, mm. you know, around Best Picture in 10 nominees, you know, from yeah. just purely cultural impact. Um, as a technical film, music, like um, Ludwig Göransson's score is 
out of sight, incredible. Like, it's absolutely incredible, and I would almost guarantee it for a nomination because it's clearly got the best soundtrack. You know, Kendrick's <laughs> going to probably be nominated. So, like, without even Kenny, come sweat, on. <laughs> like, without even breaking a sweat. Yeah. Like, that's three nominations right there. Like, not to mention the slew of other awards that it could be nominated for. So, yeah, I've always thought this was a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and if you wanted to see... Vin Diesel hold an Oscar in your hand. You are a sick, sadistic person. Like, <laughs> but I really want are. that, Blake. I want <laughs> that. A dream. But I think that that was exactly the fear that people were calling bullshit on, is that they were saying that the Academy didn't want to give Black Panther the best picture film. So they were like, we'll just create its own category. And then they mm. were very – they were just not very obvious in a could you win best picture and – best popular film in this category that they had created. So people are like, are you going yes. to exclude it? And then because the, and uh, then they the were... Oscars are yeah nominated by the Academy, there may have been people who would have gone, oh, well, Black Panther's a really good film. I'll only vote it in one category as opposed to doing it in both categories. Oh, it's, so, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Tali. It's like if you, if you have an option, mm. so let's just say like you, you do want the wrestle. You know, because sometimes there are two great films. Yeah. And you have a really hard decision to make. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, some of the years that, like, I think it's, like, 1974 is one of my favorite years. Like, uh, or even 1979. So We're going 1970- way back now, Blakey. <laughs> I, I know, scared. I know. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm a bit of an Academy Awards geek in that respect. But like, in one year, Apocalypse Now missed out on Best Picture, as did All That Jazz. All That Jazz is, like, one of the greatest musicals ever made. No, and, and Apocalypse Now is one of the greatest films ever made. Like, I have a tattoo of, like, the lead character on my arm. And it, but in that year, the film that won, not, like, 1979 Best Picture was not either of those films, and it was another great film. So you have this real wrestle where you're like, holy shit, some years there are genuinely great films that are in contests, and you have to just pick your favourite. Like, you have to pick the film that you think is the best, and it's, a, it's the right decision to make. But, like, you know... I love that wrestle. That's what's exciting about the Academy Awards because you're like, okay, cool. But I you wait four hours for this moment. <laughs> I, I, I like it. Like I get excited. I'm like, oh my god. Like imagine voting on two amazing movies that you can almost not separate. Like that's a thrill. Um, so yeah, like, and I, um, there's another great fact. Like so, Steven Spielberg famously like Jaws is one of the best movies ever made, right? Steven Spielberg, he was nominated for, uh, like, was thinking that he was going to get nominated for Best Director. The year that he thought that he was going to get nominated, he was nominated against five, five of the best directors who have ever lived and breathed on planet Earth. Like Bernardo Bertolucci, like Stanley Kubrick, David Lean. Like, it was this insane murderer's row of amazing filmmakers and Steven Spielberg missed out. And you can totally be like, yeah, I get it. Because that year, there were too many good things. So when you win, like, you got some bragging rights. So, yeah, I, I, I like that they're deferring it. I think it's dumb. <laughs> it, it, is it is dumb. It is dumb. I was like, when I first heard it, I'm like, what is this? The Logies? Like, yeah. is everyone going to vote for it now? The like, Oscars so, now sponsored so. by TV Week. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the so. magazine, put in your vote. And that was so. the other That's thing. That's what they yeah. have a popular category. Yeah. Is that they were going to do you if would it was be a so popular. proud of me because literally I did a guest spot on ABC News <laughs> and they were asking me this very question that you guys are asking me. And I said, I never thought that the Oscars would look look over to the Logies and go, 
I'll have some more of that. Yes. <laughs> Tell me uh, more about this model that you have. This is a great model. So you you have just people yeah. voting for their favourite Sophies. So, of course, yeah. they don't watch in all of them. Just two out of yeah. ten that are nominated. Like, no. no. And what's this? No one watches the award show? <laughs> Tell me more. Oh, oh, oh. And on the Gold Coast? Yeah. Oh, oh. what fun. What yeah. fun. Crazy. Okay. But yeah, so no, I think it's a really, in a nutshell, I think it's a super smart decision for them to defer it. Because the cool thing the Academy did, and this went under the radar, is the Academy have been voting in some amazing new talent, like to really freshen up both, the, we were talking about inclusion writers, they were focusing on diversity, um, diversity in all the different, um, uh, uh, diversity in every possible category, so actors, writers, you know, cinematographers, um, uh, directors, you know, male, like really focusing on people of color, um, women, and truly trying to actually shake things up. So I think this year is going to be so thrilling because if we see a race between some big films, you're not, it's going to be so much harder to predict like the old white man Academy Award voter Mm. demographic for the win. Um, And I think it's actually going to start, it, the scales have truly been tipped. Like they've upped their membership so significantly by thousands and thousands of people of color that like this year is going to be one of the most thrilling crops of awardees because you're getting such a more diverse background of all the people who are voting. So um, I think it's going to be super fun to actually watch now because of, of, of how they've structured some of the changes, um, especially now meeting this other category, which is stupid. Well, the BAFTAs for them from next year, they'll have to have all films have to be diverse. Not all films, but some categories. Some, some categories yeah, all have to starting be Starting in 2019 team. is that they have not a quota, but there is a requirement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The change is coming. It's, it's good. And like, you know, there's, you know, the, the balance of power is tipped because, you know, there's no more, like Harvey Weinstein famously, this is what he would just can't, he would spend money to bring people into screenings, feed them really great food, like schmooze, schmooze them, booze them, bend over backwards to get their votes. That sounds terrifying. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah, like, oh, in this context, it is terrifying. Uh, sounds like the but, but yeah, like, I'm, I'm inside, like, you know, you never would have thought it, but, like, Kamal Nanjani and his partner were nominated for Best Original Screenplay, as was Jordan Peele. Mm. Um, who, who ended up taking out the award. But all those guys are now in the Academy. So there's a in this world that we live in now, a much cooler world than last year, I think. Like, Kamal Nanjani is going to be voting for Best Picture. That's cool. Like, that's so cool that that, that exists. We live in this world now. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's, that's exciting. Anyone who's nominated is automatically uh, in, admitted to the Academy. So, you know, it's um, it's really, really cool. It's really exciting stuff. I can just picture you um, putting your newborn to sleep, telling <laughs> telling them that story. This is the world you live in now. It's a cool world. This is what will happen at the Oscars. Oscar. You live in this world now. <laughs> you live in the best world How now. How inspiring. How inspiring. So inspiring. But, I mean... What about like films like To All the Boys I've Loved Before? Would that ever get a nomination? <laughs> she says so optimistically. I did have to laugh this week when I saw this um, article no. that came out. Blake <laughs> was thinking it. that whole time. And I was like, no, nah, don't let him talk. <laughs> I did watch it and, and I you... was thoroughly entertained. 
It is very entertaining. Well, this is what I was laughing at. There was an article. Do you know during the movie how um, Peter Kavinsky was talking about the Korean yogurt drink? Yeah. And I had no idea what that drink was. I thought it was just a Korean yogurt drink. Had no. no I like something in my head. I, maybe I was just totally like swept up in his face and his being that I didn't really think about anything more than oh, I wonder what that Korean yogurt drink is. And then this week I saw an article that Yakult sales have just like they've sold out of Yakult <laughs> effectively because of to all the boys I've loved before. And I was like, oh, that's the Korean yogurt drink. And I was like. Yeah, the container did look very similar. <laughs> but this was the thing, though, when in the part when in the film where he goes, yeah, like the Korean stores, like I drove all the way to the Korean store, which is you know on the other side of town. I'm like, what supermarket near you does not have your cult? <laughs> Well, this is why I didn't think it was your cult. As someone who has come from a, a family where, like, my mum oh will go God, to the Italian store. Oh, my God, you saying there is such thing as a family? <laughs> well, this is the like, thing. I was like, but it had to be something very specifically Korean where I was going I, to go to that effort to go to the Korean store. It had to be something very specifically Korean that no one has ever heard before. And that's why I was like, oh, it was your cult the whole time. It was Available cult. at Coles and Woolworths. And Absolutely. <laughs> and it's great for people who are lactose intolerant. So, so you know, <laughs> it just goes to just show the Peter power Kavinsky. of product placement <laughs> in popular culture that they can even sell your cult. <laughs> listen, listen. We all started. Campaign. We all started wearing leather wristbands and wife beaters when Ryan wore them in the OC. It's no different now. Okay. It's just the Netflix. It's a little bit slightly more immediate. I mean, uh, in Gossip Girl, they just kept saying vitamin water. Oh, my goodness. It was ridiculous oh how many times they said vitamin <laughs> water. <laughs> Gossip Girl brought back headbands. Empire, <laughs> based on them. <laughs> oh. Such madness. Shall we, shall we end on this note of madness? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have to go and be a parent. (laughs) Yes. You have to go tell your child the stories of the Oscars and the world that he lives in. in. Uh, He's he's too busy being read. uh, About two-thirds of the way through Harry Potter and the Philosopher's uh, Stone at the moment. So that's where where we're up to. And then we move on to Chamber of Secrets. So I'll read all of those to him as best as I can. And then um, and he has no idea what's like, going on, but I'm trying to actually, it's my trick to get his sister to like be a lap, she doesn't like being read to, she's oh. more of a movie geek, so she's mm. just cool with movies, so I've just got to kind of like weasel my way in there secretly by reading to her brother. But yeah, this is the point where you can be like, and Jude Law is Dumbledore. <laughs> Look at his lips. I'll just add in some adjectives about Dumbledore's lips every chance I get because it's Jude Law. This oh, is man. the world you live in now, son. Yeah. Isn't it cool? <laughs> Dumbledore's got that base, son. <laughs> but he's like, I want out. <laughs> like, Dad, stop talking about Dumbledore's base. <laughs> well, that's coming out around Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Yes. Unfortunately, still with Johnny Depp. <laughs> I'm just ignoring that part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretending it's Colin Farrell. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm pretending nice. underneath Colin Farrell's there. Well, I'm sure Colin Farrell would look great with bleached hair. <laughs> would he, though? Oh, yeah, he probably would. Probably would. Come Farrell. on. It's Colin Farrell. Miami Vice is about as close as you're going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Handlebar moustache, slick back hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note um, this has been Gaggle of Geeks the pop and geek culture podcast on 2SER I'm Sophie I'm Tali 
I'm Blake. <laughs> you are Blake. We'll catch you next time for more Gaggle of Geeks. Till then, bye. bye.